Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series sponsored by Exiger on From Third-Party Risk Management to Supply Chain Risk Management. Exiger on the evolution of supplier compliance in COVID-19. First, a word about Exiger. Exiger was founded to fight financial crime, fraud, and terrorist financing by introducing technology-enabled solutions to the market's biggest supply chain, risk, investigation, litigation, and compliance challenges. The global authority on risk and compliance, Exeter services on the world's largest banks, Fortune 1000 companies, and government agencies and regulators. Exeter combines frontline expertise of former prosecutors, intel analysts, Department of Defense veterans, and compliance officers leading technologists and forensic accountants with cutting-edge, fit-for-purpose artificial intelligence technology. In recognition of the growing volume and complexity of data and regulations, Exeger is committed to working with clients to create a more sustainable risk management environment through its holistic and innovative approach to problem solving. To find out how Exeger is making the world a safer place and more effective place to do business, visit Exeter.com or reach out to any of the experts featured in this week's podcast series. Over this five-part podcast series, we will put a spotlight on financial institutions with Tara Loftus and Summer Pratt. We will put a spotlight on corporations with Aaron Narva and Ren McKetchern. We will put a spotlight on federal government and supply chains with Kerry Wibben and Vishnu Anatamula. Look at the pillars of good compliance with Brandon Daniels and Carrie Wibben. We will conclude with third party risk management solutions with Erica Peters and Skylar Chi. Today I'm joined by Erica Peters, Associate Managing Director focused on global markets, where she leads the complex global financial crime compliance engagement for some of the world's largest and most sophisticated financial institutions. Also, Skylar Chi has nearly 10 years of forensic accounting and investigation experience, leveraging into world-class technology for anti-compliance corruption programs. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, back for our final episode. Today, we're going to take a look at solutions and third-party risk management with Erica Peters and Skylar Chai. Uh, first of all, Erica and Skylar, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you as well, Tom. Yeah, thank you very much, Tom. Erica, I wondered if I might start with you. From your perspective, what are some of the top key challenges in third parties and supply chain risk management that you see? Sure. Let me think. Um, you know, this, this is a really good question. Um, I think I would start with the complex risk environment all companies face and understanding their nuanced third-party risk. You know, a company may sit in a very highly regulated market, or in a less regulated market, but at the end of the day, it's not just the laws and regulations that they need to be aware of. It's um, the companies need to, in some instances, really focus on their reputational risk and raising the bar to an even higher standard than maybe the the, the local law um, where they are outsourcing or using their third parties. Um, so I think that will be a, a big um, challenge that um, these institutions need to consider. Um, and But I think probably one even larger would be just the burden of trying to learn what you don't know. From my experience, 
starting in the compliance team at a bank, this is what all management team members used to say, kept them up at night, is, you know, I, I want to know what I don't know. And that requires a lot of due diligence. And it's looking at your, your third-party risk tailored to your company um, and then really deep diving into the due diligence activity, which is really increasing every day as the world changes and our customer standards change and, you know, you need to cover it adequately. So um, there are more sources which um, investigators need to uncover and look for unknown risks. Um, and any due diligence investigator listening will probably agree that manually reviewing just the company documents, their ownership structures, those owners' networks, as well as entities, is a burdensome task, depending on the size and complexity of the entity. But then on top of that is the primary research, um, coupled with the, the open source research, to verify what the third parties um, have provided you is extremely difficult to overcome and in a quick manner. And so in order to feel comfortable that you've covered or know what your analysts have covered, um, that everything that you, you want to know and have that confidence of the awareness um, means you really have to dot every I and um, cross every T. And that can be very burdensome. And now I think, you know, with the globalization, it's, it's adding on the, the research multiplied, you know, with the, the navigating the complexity of the global data. So, you know, going into these other locations uh, cross borders into China and to India and doing the research there, you know, requires, you know, the international data sources and understanding them and being able to review them. It increases the skill set of needing to either understand multiple languages or have the ability to translate information. And it just really um, increases <laughs> the, the chances of missing something. And then, you know, finally, I would just say, you know, putting my auditor hat on that, you know, all of the above really doesn't count unless it's combined with a really strong audit trail of, you know, all the information reviewed, discounted, escalated, and being able to, you know, document that well, you know, God forbid that you actually do have to defend yourself and showing that you have a strong third party or supply chain risk management program, which is, you know, really what our consumers and everyone is um, requiring at this point. So, Erica, my uh, three key elements of any compliance program are document, document, document. And I really appreciate you putting your auditor hat on and explaining from the auditor's perspective why document, document, document are so critical. Skylar, if I could maybe turn to you around uh, and flip the question, uh, rather than the key challenges, what are some of the most developed solutions that you see or you utilize for these challenges in third-party and supply chain risk management? Sure, thanks, Tom. So um, as a forensic accountant and corporate investigator, I've, I've led teams in some of the largest regulatory investigations in history. And really for over a decade, I've been attempting to leverage technology uh, as, as these investigations have evolved with the technology. When I first started out, However, we really saw that regulators were hesitant to use even bulk document review tools like Relativity. And based on that tacit messaging, companies really, the private and public companies and, and entities, organizations, did not want to make any solution investment. As some of my other colleagues have mentioned in this series, since then, there's been 
um, really serious evolution against the available technologies, primarily spearheaded by some of our biggest regulatory institutions. We have the OCC and the Fed that have issued guidance to adopt technology more quickly through both the private and public sectors. And if, if uh, for instance, there's a gap potentially in the findings that these tools are identifying, there is some leeway um, against regu potential regulatory enforcement. And, and th these regulatory notices have really, I think, uh, allowed for the record-breaking speed of adoption. The, the platforms and solutions that we see today include uh, specifically for third-party risk management and, and scrim supply chain risk, automated due diligence solutions that allow for the rapid, rapid assessment of third-party and supply chain risk and in-flood adjudication of that risk by your people. So it's people and technology intertwined together. Uh, and this space is really where today most of the solutions have currently evolved to. And these platforms include automated intelligence that identify and consolidate entities across databases and open source records into um, single entities, of course. So the difference between knowing John Smith and John um, middle initial M Smith, they're the same individuals. And, and further um, taking those individuals and entities and placing them into risk buckets through automated intelligence. and Related to that, we also have machine learning that iterates on past adjudication of your false positives around those risk events. And then um, Erica touched on this, and, and I think the criticality cannot be understated due to the global landscape of data. Today's solutions allow for immediate searching in foreign languages. And, uh, and then lastly, you know, we, today's solutions have audit trails. Uh, they're hardened and they're immutable. So to your point, document, document, document. That's done for you automatically in the software. And based on those audit trails that document what's been done, you can conduct ongoing monitoring that automatically notifies you of changes in risk behavior and prior findings within those audit trails um, and reports that are coming back through your diligence platforms. Um, and then, you know, in a in addition to easily adopting and being nimble to foreign sources, I think today's platforms are really great at scraping uh, global databases and ingesting global commerce databases in an attempt to illuminate complex supply chains and other relationships through shipping and commerce records. Um, solutions of past were great at identifying risks and mapping key management personnel as they related to focal entities uh, or individual networks. Uh, today's solutions, though, have gone beyond that and have, have leveraged ad hoc data sets that have always existed, but not to this extent. So just imagine quickly assessing and identifying every component sold down to the product, supplier, supplier, supplier. So tier four, tier three. Eventually, you'll hit the financial paper on which the raw metals are traded. Um, and then we map risks onto that network. Are these suppliers, suppliers sanctioned? Are they on watch lists? Are they potentially state-owned entities that can provide an opportunity to be a threat vector for adversarial nations? Um, so to that extent, we're, you know, we're constantly iterating and learning what data lakes look like globally uh, and how they can work for us. And then one last but important point about today's solution uh, solutions is that we have quantum leaps where our reporting brings us. Uh, and so today we have not only historical management information that's structured into reports automatically, uh, such as what DDI, Exeter's DDIQ does, but 
we have fully customiz uh, customizable visualization tools that allow for the discovery uh, and further visualization of thematics and trend insights beyond that of individual entities or individuals. Um, so imagine looking at thousands of entities, having them visualize quickly for risk, um, all live in front of you while the, while the risks are identified. Tyler, if I could maybe pick up on a couple of the themes I heard in that answer and really uh, uh, center it or, or, or frame it around Gary Kasparov, uh, one of the world's greatest chess players who played <laughs> chess matches against Big Blue. And he maintained that the human element, in addition to the quantitative approach, was always superior than simply a quantitative approach. Um, would you find that to be a, a fair assessment in compliance, separate and apart from how he thought about it in chess? Yeah, so Tom, that, I, that is an excellent analogy. And similar to how uh, the world's smartest chess computers have learned from our smartest players, uh, today's solutions and, and specifically, you know, the way that we've structured Exeger's uh, deployment uh, of, of our solutions into our clients is that it's, it's the combination of people, process, and technology. So, of course, we trust our technology. We trust that it's accurate, that it's identifying risks. However, at the end of the day, you have to contextualize um, the machine's findings against the backdrop of your current mission or project. And, you know, you can never eliminate the quantitative component that tech brings to the process, but the technology allows for that noise to fall away to so your sneeze, your expert chess players don't have to think about your opening move, right? That is, that is structured. There's a set of opening moves that always happen, but late game play changes and the technology allows the sneeze to focus on exactly what they need to qualitatively review after the basics have been uh, completed and done for you. And of course, there's always a little bit of of human QA in the process, but the technology really just enables the SMEs to quickly identify uh, if something is wrong. Eric, if we could maybe continue on this theme by maybe taking a look at the market. Uh, the market, uh, certainly in the compliance world, responds to uh, what the regulators tell us, but do you see the market headed into an integrated tech-enabled solution, or are we just really not there yet? Definitely think that there are um, companies who have uh, integrated tech-enabled solutions, and I think they basically are able to do all the things that Skylar called out. In fact, you know, um, at Exeger, most of those components are already integrated into our solutions. Um, but one thing that I think where the market is headed in terms of something where um, probably the advanced companies um, are looking to go is really to start analyzing all the data they have in front of them against their entities that they're monitoring and trying to identify if there's a way to predict um, and use predictive risk analytics beyond some of the red flags and periodic reviews to then um, be able to forefront some of the, you know, the tragic news that sometimes we see some of these companies, you know, going through. So, for example, I think um, one of these predictors could be mergers and acquisitions, is keeping an eye out in terms of that kind of a market and overlaying it with some of the integrated tech-enabled solutions and thinking about, okay, what is the likelihood this um, third party might undergo with this uh, merger and acquisition, and what does that mean to us? So I think that is an area that is still being developed, 
But I think um, there are definitely solutions that are integrating the the, the linguistic skills, the um, the AI, the machine learning, and being able to do that pretty much, you know, within minutes instead of hours, and then allowing the manual component to only focus on the actual risk, the outliers, and the things that might be different, and, you know, partially even just ensure that the system is working as intended, you know, which kind of goes into, like, the model validation component. But other than that, yeah, absolutely. I think um, we're definitely going down the line of integrated solutions, and I think that if companies, you know, don't already have it, you know, they're probably looking into that space right now, you know, due to um, some of the spaces which are much more regulated. So, Skylar, I posit that effective compliance makes business processes more efficient, leading at the end of the day to greater profitability or greater ROI. Do you believe that to be a valid assertion? Uh, do you see compliance as a value builder? or really simply just a cost center to be dealt with uh, in that manner? Yeah, Tom, that, that's an excellent question and, and one that I posit as well. Uh, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you. So I think that compliance solutions today, they are, they are absolutely not tertiary or secondary preventions. They're, of course, primary preventions. And the failure to detect risks have not only direct impacts on the business's financials in the form of fines that we have seen, but also on their reputation and goodwill that can quickly, really quickly be eroded. And so when risk is not detected and things go south, we've seen historically that the consequences are just absolutely enormous. Um, and these fines, they go beyond the bottom line of monetary damages that the firm just pays out as a cost of doing business. People today, potential customers today, simply do not want to conduct and they do not want to give their business to potential dirty money institutions that are known for not following the rules. And business executives, they, they, they now understand, they know that appropriate risk management can be a true public good if managed properly. And to that point, making an investment uh, in a compliance automation technology is really an investment in not only sustainable risk management, um, but here at Exeter, we always advise our clients to treat rep risk, reputational risk, as a metric that can help them make really smart investment decisions that drive ROI. And when they start to analyze some of those key risk metrics that have historically sat in just compliance departments, our clients are determining that, um, you know, customers and companies that they're looking to acquire and the relationships are looking to form have appropriate mitigating controls, which lead to a really healthy um, portfolio of, of vendors and, and customers. Um, and a clean business known for conducting a rigorous review of their portfolios and relationships um, with, of course, embedded operational resilience, it allows for increased organizational value through the additional, as I mentioned, generation of that goodwill and less reputational risk, right? You want to give your business, uh, especially in today's very interconnected uh, social environment, bad news can spread really quickly. And if your compliance department, similar to how a, a, a PR, public relations function internally, uh, mitigates some risk. Compliance can get a head start on risks that are developing uh, as thematics in your book of business. If you see bad actors have identified a weakness in your process, you can get them out. So technology, I really think, therefore, transforms the compliance function from a, a, a historical cost center into a value center, something that is making you and your firm um, um, stronger in today's world through the generation of less reputational issues and increased goodwill.
Skyler and Eric, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if there are any additional resources you might point our listeners to for any of the topics we've raised in this podcast. Where you, where might you suggest they go? Um, we would love some of the, uh, the audience to to look at the Exeter's website, in particular at our perspectives page, where you'll hear more about some of the thought leadership and podcasts from some of our colleagues. But I would also point them towards our technology page. Um, where they can see some of the solutions that we have available. And um, finally, ideally, if they, if they could go to our LinkedIn um, for other thought leadership, that would be great as well. And please follow us. I wanted to thank both of you all for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Awesome. Thank you, Tom, for your time today. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Exeter on the evolution in supplier compliance during COVID-19. It's been a fascinating series. Uh, Check out Exeter's website, www.exeter.com. There are also multiple resources available in each episode's show notes, so check those out for more information. This special five-part podcast series has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us again.